So this process of really ending the retreat, continuing in our life, in a certain way it's already begun, speaking at lunchtime and engaging and then coming and sitting down and probably you noticed that the mind was a little different after lunch than maybe before, or maybe not, but we might notice a certain activity starting to build, increase or possibly even accelerate. And just noticing that, it's fine, it's normal, it's not a problem, but it's good to be aware of it. That sense of, oh yes, we're in a transition, conditions are changing. Just as when we came in, conditions were changing, it took a little adjusting for most of us to settle into this. And then a few days later, we've almost forgotten what that was like, and it's kind of almost become normal. And then we are turning around and heading out into another situation that used to be normal, but not, may not feel quite normal when we go back out. And I don't know how it will be for you, but it might be that way. So don't be surprised if that's the case. You know, um, Normal can be kind of strange sometimes. That's just how it is. But be sensitive and respectful to yourself and listen to see what you feel is useful and appropriate. Don't go too quickly into too many things if you have any choice about them. Like, you know, not reading all your emails straight away. Not actually trying to watch all those movies you didn't see this weekend or eat all that pizza you didn't get to eat. Just go slowly if you have a choice about it. If you don't have a choice about it, be really aware that, oh, I need to go into a really full situation now and that's going to be interesting, shall we say. And just notice what's possible and that there's always moments you can pause and reconnect and just Oh, take a breath. There's lots going on. Take a breath. There's a lot going on. Go to that little room. Most buildings have at least one where nobody else will disturb you. You don't have to do anything while you're there. But just take a moment and go, ah, it's a quiet space, the bathroom. You don't have to talk to anybody for a moment or two. And no one will come or get worried that you're in there, at least for a few minutes. It's like finding refuges in our life. Here is a refuge, as some of you spoke to, what that's like to come into a place where we're allowed to be as we are with other people who support and value that and equally an interest in looking at and exploring our life. But that, that baseline of just allowance, making it a priority to find ways to do that in our lives. So we go gently back into the world, but understanding that the way the world is experienced is partly to do with not just what's going on out there, but what's going on in here and how I respond and relate. And the sense that, oh, I can actually keep finding refuge. I can keep finding space by bringing the rememberings of the possibility of stopping and connecting of bringing some kindness or allowance. It doesn't mean we have to like things, but we just allow, oh yeah, it's like this. There's a kindness in that to ourselves, that we can just make some space, start to make some sense of that refuge in the midst of our lives. So that although, yes, much of the conditions of this retreat change, and it, you know, many of you have spoken of the appreciation of the contact and connection and it would be really nice I guess if everyone would just come home and you know I could keep them in the cupboard and they'd get out in the morning and we'd sit together before breakfast and they'd get back in the cupboard and it wouldn't be very good for their life but for my life it would be great you know 
But of course it can't happen that way. And yet that sense of, oh, it's really important to find other people to connect with and to share things that I care about who maybe allow me to just be. And who are interested in what it means to just be. That's something to make a priority to engage in practices such as we've been engaging in here. And, you know, the primary orientations of a cultivating a kind of a peaceful, steady abiding of just coming into contact again and again with our life with as much consciousness, with as much presence, as much sensitivity and as much kindness as we can and, and a willingness and an interest to learn from that. That's, that's a recipe for life, not just for a retreat. It's going to look different outside of here. And sure, and important if we can find time and make space for formal practice. It's really nourishing to do that. And equally the practices that we picked up more specifically this morning in terms of consciously orienting towards the heart's capacity for kindliness. Seeing how deeply interwoven that is with what we could call the more so-called mind training. It's really heart-mind training, all of it. But it's like this aspect of the heart-mind that's more to do with attention, stability, and watching how we hold and handle experience. And then there's this other part of the heart-mind training which is about, oh, what can I bring from within my humanity, really, to bear, to meet, to hold what's happening here with a sense of care, of friendliness, of kindliness. And these things, of course, we won't always be able to. We won't even always remember that we'd like to be able to. Sometimes we might not even want to be able to. We're quite keen and enthused about the idea of being completely unconscious or fully reactive and acting it out. Because that seems like a good idea at the time. But nonetheless, there's a way in which once we've started to see what's possible for us as human beings, I think it's hard to go back from there. It's hard to be completely asleep again. Swan teacher Trungpa Rinpoche observed, he said, you know, of this path, probably better not to start. <laughs> Having started, best to finish. And it's not precisely as I would have worded it myself, but something about we don't always realize as we enter into the process of waking up that, that there's ways of our unconsciousness that are quite attractive to us but that we see ultimately don't serve us and that we want to let them go, but some of us doesn't. Some part of me doesn't actually yet want to let that go. So we have to work with that. We have to find ways to recognize and bring again kindness and care to those places and at the same time really see what supports that in me, which I, I believe and trust is that deeper part of me that does want to wake up, that doesn't really want to live my life asleep seeing the impact and the effect of so much life being lived unconsciously or half-consciously in the enacting of historical habitual patterns of reactivity, of blindness, and the, the painful and tragic consequences that that has for our world and at an individual level in, in the heart. So making time for formal practice is really good, really important. Don't fall into the trap of thinking the quality of your meditation is determined by what happens when you're doing it. Like, 
Calm, clear, bright mind, heart filled with gushing, overwhelming floods of loving kindness. That's good meditation. It's nice meditation, but it's the fruit of the garden. It's not the gardening. It's the thing that comes out of our life, but it's not our life in itself. What's more fundamental in practice is actually, does it make a difference in my life? I was conversing, speaking with someone about this, you know, who was wondering, am I doing it right? So I said, well, how's your life? How does it affect that? Oh, actually, my life's much better if I do it. Probably you're doing it fine then. That's kind of what makes sense. You can sit on a cushion for 30 minutes and feel like you're not there at all. But the fact that you spent 30 minutes sitting there while your mind was busy trying to organize the laundry, the work, the kids, the commute, the Christmas list, and you didn't actually let all that energy pick your body up and run around the house for 30 minutes, which you otherwise would have, that's actually quite something. Just to know that. And the fact that we've actually sat in the face of that energy, even if we couldn't be awake in all of it, or very much of it, just the fact that we were aware, oh, that's what happened. I sat down, my mind disappeared, the bell went bang, and I thought, wow. <laughs> now it's rare that we're that unconscious, that we really get from the first moment to the bell at the end and weren't there for a single second. Anything on that is a credit plus. You know, there's a teacher I know, a friend, James Barraz. Um, I wasn't going to say his name because it might count as a confession, but I think you'll forgive me. We're not recording this, but are we? We are. Oh, we are. <laughs> I think you'll forgive me anyway. He's a good, he's a good-hearted man, um, and there's nothing really to forgive. But he, he, he once observed. I just don't know if he tells his students this, but he said, um, "If the trouser fabric on my, if the fabric of my trousers makes contact with the fabric of my cushion, I've sat." I've done my commitment to sitting for the day. It's fulfilled. More than that, beyond that, well, I might be there for a little while. I'm you know, not quoting him precisely. I might be there for a few minutes. I might be there for a while longer. That's not, it's, I've sat. Bottom hits the cushion, done it. Everything after that is bonus. It's kind of a lovely thing to see it that way. Just get me there. What happens after? It's like coming on a road. Get yourself there. What happens? There's a lot of ways it can happen. It's all good. Just get yourself there. And not just for how long I get myself there, but what happens when I get there. Expressing through our actions what it is that we value is incredibly powerful. And just coming and sitting on a cushion and staying there for even not so long as an expression of valuing presence, clarity, kindness, or just the courage to sit down for a few minutes because there's a million things to get done. And actually the most important thing is to do nothing for a few moments. And I know that. All the million things to be done will be better done because I didn't try and do them constantly without break. So it's like the way we embody what we know is the key thing for life, really. All the information is written in books, you can read it, it doesn't make that much difference. But when you live it, it does straight away. Even if you can only live it a little bit, it makes a big difference. 
And that's what we've been doing here. And noticing and discovering that even our minds being spaced out, confused, reactive, judgmental, um, disconnected and all of that for quite a lot of the time, I suspect, for most of us. And look at the effect in the heart and the felt sense at the end. Wow, that was just two and a half days. Most of which we weren't here. <laughs> but we were here a lot more than we might have been for any other two and a half days of our life. Look what a difference that made. Look what's possible for us. We don't have to do it perfectly. Just a little bit more and wow, it's transformative. So keep finding ways to do it, just a little bit. Or a bit more if you have time, space and inclination. If your life will accommodate doing more, do more. If your life doesn't seem to accommodate doing very much, do what you can. Always the practice of what's possible. Do what you can. Parents of young children, maybe you're not going to find any moment at all. But then just knowing in the moments that you can't find what it is that you're making a choice to say, this is important. I'd really like to have 15 minutes to sit quietly, but I need to sit with my child right now. And that's a choice you can make. Or I'd like to have more time to be doing meditation, but actually I need to stand up with my friend and go and say, actually that thing that's happening over there, that's not okay. We need to let somebody know this has to change. That's equally our practice. This needs to be attended to. That's equally our practice. Don't try and do this alone. It's very rare human being who can do this alone. We're living in a world in which the currents and forces of confusion and blindness expressed as degrees of ill will, hostility, greed and selfishness are profound and powerful and not to be underestimated in, their, in the challenge they present us. You know, we're just about to head into the season where, you know, once again, having more stuff is what it's all about. Peace and goodwill, ha, you can't sell that stuff. But actually you can. Shops aren't selling it, but we can. If we make it what's important for us. Ah, can I make that central? And can I seek out other people who care about it and do it with them, share it with them, talk with people about what concerns you? If you're distressed, anxious, or feeling really sad, you know, given the state of various aspects of the world, that's a completely sane response. <laughs> but to know that actually we also have great capacity and together and collectively, humanity can and is and will, is my faith, continue to grow and transform itself. Not perfectly or immediately, but the long arc of, of life moves towards this, it seems to me. And within it, of course, it doesn't always look quite that way. But that's much the same for one's own mind and heart, it seems. Sometimes it doesn't look like it's going the way I want to do it at all. But we need to stay with the process nonetheless. 
and to nourish ourselves. As I said, so many messages, so many forces around us that often seem predominant, that are pushing us towards a way of relating that's actually not human. It's mostly reptilian. <laughs> Nothing against reptiles, perfectly decent creatures. But they're not particularly relational. Maybe it's not fair on reptiles anyway. <laughs> And yet at the same time, there's so much going on in this world where people are acting with courage and good heart to sit on their cushion, to stand up for their friend, to call out in the face of something that's clearly harmful taking place and say, just a moment, we need to look at this, address this. Finding such people and, staring, and sharing with them, connecting with them is crucial. The newspapers never tell us about the many times someone gives a cake to their neighbour. They only tell us when the neighbours got into a fight and someone hit somebody. At a kind of local neighbourhood level and equally globally. It's so important that as well as acknowledging the real difficult and tragic things playing out in the world, we equally give attention to and acknowledge the incredible goodness that's also playing out in the world. And don't imagine that because most of the news is the dodgy stuff, that that's actually most of humanity. It's not. And that we can find people and share with people what it is that we care about. It may take some courage, a little vulnerability perhaps on occasion but it's worth going slowly and taking the odd risk in that regard. One thing I've found in my life is that if I have had and found, not always easily, but if I've found the courage to speak what feels true and to live what feels appropriate for my life, I've found other people doing the same thing who respond to that. And in the times in my life, and there were those where I didn't feel able to do that, What's interesting is one ends up with other people who also don't feel able to do that. So there's some immense gift we give to ourselves and the world by living what's true. It actually invites and supports everyone to do more of the same. And actually everyone in the end really wants that. Even those who might not quite yet know that that's what they want. So what we're doing here isn't just for us. Although it is for us. It's also for more than us, but the us as in me or you or even just us here, we're part of something larger. And uh, our participation in it is part of its health and its liberation, its well-being. So thank you for being here. Thank you for your practice here. I've really enjoyed this retreat and being with you and meeting with you. Uh, and I really wish you all very, very well in your journeys on from here, the journeys of your hearts, the journeys of your lives, the return to your homes or next destinations, next stop. So may you all be safe and well. And that is my wish. And if we should meet again, it would be lovely, here or somewhere else along the path.
So I'd just like to finish with a moment of sharing and dedication. It's just gone 3.30. We're just about finished. If anyone needs to be out the door at 3.30, I've run over by a minute and it'll be another minute. But I hope you can stay with us. And if you can't, bon voyage. We're just taking a moment to sit here in our, our circle of warm-hearted humanity and our bodies, soft and yet strong, organic structures of life, living here. And taking a moment to honour the goodness of what we've been doing together, each ourselves and collectively to appreciate our companions equally as appreciating ourselves in this endeavour and to have a sense of this being something that we share with each other and that we offer freely up to the support, the service and the well-being of life of those we care about, our near and dearest and equally those we don't know and those two who we find not easy or difficult, all beings and all of life and all its forms, however we know it or conceive it, and even that we don't know and can't conceive. May all of life be, be well, may its well-being deepen and grow, and may our lives and practice be a expression of that and a contribution to that for our own welfare for the welfare the well-being of all that lives and all that is Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.